Hey, you know what? Let me get my little uh, 99 bananas out of there. Hey, shocker, 99 bananas. My name's Matt. <laughs> I'm almost 30, but I drink 99 bananas. Oh, God, yeah. That's, I'm going to be in the Florida Keys nine, doing 99 bananas on my 30th birthday. Yeah, you, Paulie D, and uh, the rest of the Jersey Shore? Uh, that's the Jersey Shore. <laughs> they travel. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another fabulous installment of Matt and Dennis, the Matt and Dennis podcast. Happy weekend. Thanks again for listening. My name is Matt Scrano. I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, happy weekend. Happy Friday. How you doing tonight? Yo, buddy. I'm chilling. I'm doing well. That is good. That is a, it's not good. That's bad. That's chilling. That is a start. What? Is that good? You said you're chilling. You didn't say you're, I'm doing good. Yeah, no. Yeah. I guess that, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not bad. No one's bad when they're chilling. Yeah. Typically. Unless they're like, unless they're like bad. No, historically, historically chilling is a, is a good, that's a good thing. I try to keep with the times. I'm a man of the people, the kids, as they say. Well, Matt, man of the kids. No, that's uh, not inappropriate. As we're always transparent with the production of of the show, um, it's another Friday uh, Friday night recording. So um, you know what you're in for. And if you don't, uh, go a couple episodes back where we describe uh, the difference between uh, Friday episodes and Monday or Tuesday night episodes. Now that we're back in the one episode format, but we will waste no time. Uh, we'll get right into it because, uh, like I mentioned before we started. This topic is still a little stale um, in terms of this week, but in terms of next football season and in terms of the history of football season and a few select uh, football athletes, uh, this will go down in history. Uh, we just missed another Super Bowl. Was it 55, 56? 55. 55. Super Bowl 55 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Bucks win – and not only uh, was uh, an upset in Vegas, uh, in the minds of Vegas at least, but also was not even remotely close to the way anyone, myself or Dennis, had it. Dennis had the Bucks, so Dennis is the winner um, of one prediction this year. And uh, wow, wow. I, I did have the Chiefs. I had the Chiefs 34-20. Dennis, I believe you had the Bucks. Uh, 38-33, I think something like that. Something like that, and. Well, Dennis was right about the Bucks, um, and I was wrong about the Chiefs. Neither one of us was remotely close to the score. I guess Dennis, you were the closest in terms of uh, where you thought the Bucks would be with their score, but neither one of us were even remotely close to where the Chiefs were at. I'll just say, and we'll 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 dive into it here in a second. But well, to be fair, I I won. You did. We- you go two out of three you took the chiefs which means you were taking them with the points and you took the over yeah i took the bucks of course being the underdog and we're not going to hit on the over because the chiefs couldn't score a touchdown so i hit two out of three yeah i'm, talking, I'm talking from like a general sense of the entire season and the, and the post you know as well as i do as someone that is deep into DraftKings and online sports betting. And now I have been down that rabbit hole as well, unsuccessfully. But I have won what we did for Super Bowl predictions. I should, hey, I hit two out of three. You did. You hit none. Do you want to take, do you want to take this moment to thank anyone? No, because I still didn't hit my parlay for the Super Bowl night. I should have doubled down on the point spread. I should have doubled down. I should have probably taken the money line, just thinking the Bucks would have won. Uh, but instead, I decided to wrap a bunch of things into a parlay and didn't hit because nobody threw for 300 yards because the Chiefs sucked. And Brady didn't have to throw for 300 yards. He did what Brady does, game manager. Which Clear. We'll, we'll go and, more our, our new uh, unhealthy sports betting segment of the show, and we'll dive more into what worked and what didn't work uh, in the Super Bowl. But, again, uh, I think the big story – I mean, there's a couple of big stories. I don't know which one's bigger. One that we all knew whether Tom Brady came out and, and won or lost, he was still going to be the GOAT regardless. And is, it, is the bigger story that Tom Brady is even more of the GOAT than we thought he was? 
And he went to a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have not been relevant in quite some time and went through a very impressive playoff run against some of the current elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Or was it that absolute stud Patrick Mahomes and arguably the best team in the NFL today, the Kansas City Chiefs, who were on track to repeat as Super Bowl champs, decided to have one of the worst days of the season to have one of the worst games of the year. Um, I don't know what the big, the bigger story is there. It's, 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 it wouldn't have been shocking to me if, if the Bucks won, but in the fashion that they won and how Kansas City really didn't show up in the slightest, uh, granted there were some off the field issues obviously going on um, in the Reed family. And there were, I believe there were a couple offensive linemen, um, at least one that, that wasn't in the game. I, I couldn't. Both tackles. Both tackles were out. Um, so definitely some issues there. And credit to Mahomes. He came very close to making some insane fourth down uh, touchdown passes when going about 30 yards in the wrong direction. But Dennis, I'll give you the floor. And I don't know. Let's start with this. What's the bigger story? That Tom Brady is more of a goat than we thought he already was? Or that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, their Super Bowl performance was a complete dud? Well, one, I assume you bring up the Chiefs off the field stuff. Andy Reid's son, the car accident. Is that what you meant? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. glad that everything is okay on that front, that nothing. I mean, seriously it, I mean it, it's not okay. And it's still. No, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's awful. But, you know, it, I mean, I, all right. I guess, I guess we can wait. We don't know exactly what's happening. But look, it's not the biggest storyline. Did the. Was it Brady winning again or was it the Chiefs not showing up? It was the Bucks defense. It was yet again seeing that, look, last year maybe was an anomaly with the way the Chiefs performed offensively against the 49ers, where you would assume the way the 49ers performed in that Super Bowl and the, the defense that they had were on their way to running away with it. But they just the Chiefs showed up in the late in the second quarter and then in the second half and then eventually ran away with it. And it was Patrick Mahomes making incredible plays and Tyreek Hill getting open in space and having Travis Kelsey and having a running game with Damian Williams, who came out of nowhere after the uh, Kareem Hunt issues that they had. But this year it, it was, again, it's the defense. Go back in history and look at your Super Bowl champions. The defense makes an impact on the game, and that's what the Bucs had. And we talked about this going into this, where I was confident in the Packers because I was confident in their offense to score points, but their front seven to get enough pressure – on opposing offenses to make it difficult for them to compete with their high octane offense. The Bucs showed that Tom Brady didn't have to do much and the running game got better and better each week. And this is one, you know, we'll bring in the gambling aspect. One of my parlays was Leonard Fournette running for 45 yards. I thought that was a shoe in. He ran for well more than that and scored a touchdown. The dude was off the hook in the postseason in every week. And he only got better as the season went on in the late weeks and then through the postseason. But it's the defense. It's what Shaq Barrett did. It's what Devin White did. Again, I, I mean, I've talked about Devin White every week on this podcast through the postseason. And I continue to talk about it because I wanted the Giants to draft him. And he wasn't there because the Bucs took him for the pick before. And then, of course, we took Daniel Jones, which we're probably always going to take. But we're seeing how good Devin White is. He was an all-time – he's going to go down in LSU – record books for what he did in that those defensive teams won the national championship obviously in 2019 with them and then you know he escalates himself to a top five pick but it's the defense it's the it's the stupid thing we say every time defense wins championships well yeah they do they dialed up something special defensively and they did everything they could to get after Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes is still so good that he was still able to scramble, still able to get out of the pocket, still able to attempt to make awesome plays, but yeah. couldn't do it. And it's the Tampa Bay defense. Tom Brady did what he did. He was fine. He was good. But he it was just good offensive play calling from Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians, and it was Brady doing Brady. There were a couple of Gronk touchdowns where he's just open in the flat from the first touchdown. That's just good play calling. They were looking at Mike Evans. Well, they're going to cover Mike Evans. Well, they're looking at Chris Godwin. They're covering Chris Godwin. 
it, it, they just kept finding what they had to, but it was apparent early on that the defense was going to pose problems for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes was only going to do so much. And to his credit, Travis Kelsey played a very nice game, was able to get in open space, able to do what he can. But you know what? Tyreek Hill was an absolute non-factor. And hats off to the Tampa Bay defensive staff for dialing up the play calling to double him in situations. Let's make Patrick Mahomes throw to any other receiver. And I mean receiver, not Travis Kelsey. We'll let Travis Kelsey beat us deep here and there. But you're not going to beat us in a slant or a streak or some post play with some fast receiver from Hardman, Robinson, or Hill. None of them were relevant in this football game. So it's the defense. And it was constant pressure from the front seven from Tampa Bay. And that's what it was. And I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say it right now, because we don't, we'll look towards the future afterwards. I'll give you the floor after this. You want to say anything? You want to move on? If Tampa Bay is able to sign Shaq Barrett, which they absolutely should, this team's going to look very similar next year in 2021. Well, and, if they, and if they do, there's no argument to be made why they shouldn't be the favorite for that, not only that division, but possibly the conference. So, Dennis, let me let, let me interrupt you there just for a second because that, that was the direction I was going to go in next. So I want to touch on that some more. Um, one thing I could just say uh, from, from – um, at least my perspective, as I said, and I couldn't tell you which episode it was, but but way back uh, when I think it was one of our first episodes after it was announced that Tom Brady was going to Tampa, um, as someone that lived in, in Florida for years and, and, and went to Tampa frequently and, and saw the, the sports environment or lack thereof, um, the biggest thing they've had going for them. I mean, obviously, you know that Tampa has, other than an NBA team, uh, teams in all the predominant uh, sports or leagues. They have the Lightning, they have the Rays, they have the Bucks. They have a major D1 school there and, and University of South Florida. But they really couldn't. It's been a, it's been a minute since Tampa was able to dominate the sports world in any any sport. Even when the Rays make the World Series, they can't sell out Tropicana Field. And they're playing. Yes. Either, they're playing the Phillies in the World Series. And they, twice in ten years, they still don't get fans. Yeah. So I mean, Tom Brady going down there, and and I have a, a good friend who um, I won't mention my name because I, I don't have his permission to do so, but um, who works for the NBC affiliate um, in Tampa, and I just know this has been wall to wall coverage um, from when Tom Brady started there, and it's a big news story for for Tampa whether the Bucks did well whether they did bad now that all aside we all knew it'd be a big a big news story whether it worked out in the end or it didn't Tampa has a news story Tampa has headlines morning afternoon night day after day after day especially in the sports world um but a question I brought up in one of our episodes I forgot what what your reaction to to my comments were at this at this point but I said something along the lines of Tom Brady's in the Bucks. Awesome. Good for the Bucks. It's it's crazy that he's turning 45 years old. He can still do this. And he is willing to, in some sense, jeopardize his career and his reputation to go to a really of the last however many years, unproven organization, maybe historically proven to an extent but recently not proven, not even remotely close, obviously, to that the likes of the New England Patriots. And this is before Gronk signed with them. This is before Antonio Brown signed with them. It's before Leonard Fournette signed with them. And he's going to the Tampa Bay Bucks. What such an unknown at the time. The Tampa Bay Bucks were not bad, but they weren't good either at the time that Tom Brady signed with them. So there's a huge there's a huge unknown there and i said well what if tom brady gets there and the bucks go 500 or they go under 500 or they're a wild card team and they lose first round of the playoffs and tom brady goes from winning super bowl super bowl super bowl or at least getting to the super bowl to going to a bucks team that could be potentially 500 and at the beginning of the season maybe even halfway through that's what it looked like that's what the bucks would be they were struggling against teams 
that were better than them against teams that were worse than them. They were struggling home and away. Tom Brady looked all right, but didn't look like he was able, he knew how to utilize his weapons because obviously you have an an established coach an established Tampa coach and Bruce Arians shout out to Temple. But like I mentioned a week ago, you have a smorgasbord of weapons offensively and defensively. That's great. But none of them have played with each other. And a lot of them, A.B. and Leonard Fournette, who joined halfway through the season, don't have experience playing with each other, don't have experience playing with Tom Brady. So how does that work out? And it really did not work out for a long period of time. But, I mean, if you have so many good players together, you're not going to be terrible. So it'll work out to some extent, but not to a Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl winning team. So we both said Tampa Bay is good. But then it gets to a point where like, oh, Green Bay Packers, driver's seat. And then you get to the playoffs, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers look better and better. So I give Tom Brady a lot of credit. I will eat, as we have in the past few weeks, a certain amount of crow that we said this Tampa Bay Buccaneers project may not be what we would call a mess, but it's probably not going to work out. And Tom Brady, as the league knows Tom Brady, probably can't beat Tom Brady with a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They built a team around them. They went through growing pains with this group of, of guys from every level of experience, and they made it work. So credit to Tom Brady, credit to the organization, credit to all of them. They made it work. And with that, Dennis, I want to ask you, you kind of touched on it right before you passed the mic over to me. Kansas City Chiefs were the favorite to win this game right up to kickoff. All year preseason, right up to kickoff of the Super Bowl, were favorites to win the Super Bowl, whether it was Tampa Bay or another team. Once it was Tampa Bay, they were still favorites. What does this mean? You kind of touched on it for Tampa. What does this mean going forward through the offseason, through next year, for Tom Brady, for Patrick Mahomes, for the Chiefs and the Bucks? What does this mean uh, in the upcoming season and maybe the next couple of years? Nothing. It means nothing. I think the easy headline, maybe it's not easy, but it's probably what people have discussed, is Aaron Rodgers got to a Super Bowl. Steelers won it. Or no, he. I'm sorry, they won it. They beat the Steelers. They're going to get back. He, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. His Packers team is incredible. Look at what the coaching staff is going to do. They'll be back. Well, he hasn't been back. That's probably the most recent example that I can give. So Patrick Mahomes, they got to the Super Bowl. They won it. They look great. They get back. They look awful. Will they get back? Yes, they will get back. They will get back. There's too many playmakers offensively. They're doing a good enough job signing guys and managing contracts and keeping guys like Chris Jones on the defensive line, Tyron Matthew, who admittedly had a terrible game and I don't know what was going on with the jarring on the field with Brady and whatnot. He's still one of the top safeties in the NFL. The team's going to be back. They'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Look, they got smacked in the face in the Super Bowl. It is what it is. You know what? You faced the GOAT. You faced the greatest to ever do it. It's finally time to admit. I'm sorry. And I'm one of them. I was in college doing a stupid radio show saying that the Patriots dynasty, this era, it might be over. It was not over. It was not over in college when we were in graduating 2014. It wasn't over when they lost to the Eagles a couple of years ago. It's Tom Brady. It's the Tom Brady effect. We talk, And what you talked about, we talked about when they signed, look, the Bucs have some on paper, some good offensive players. Their defense is young, but it's growing. Well, look, they brought in a whole new coaching staff. They bring in Tom Brady, who's going to elevate the locker room. It's a great football team. The Chiefs are a great football team. Look, is it really concerning to see a team like the Chiefs not score a touchdown in a game? Yes, it is. But you still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have the offensive weapons that they have. There are still enough pieces defensively. They will make changes. They will upgrade the defense. You still have Andy Reid, who is one of the best offensive minds ever 
in the NFL game. I'm going to say ever, because as far as I know, as far as I've been watching the NFL consistently since 97, 98, Andy Reid's been a staple in the National Football League. And he's been now to three Super Bowls. So to me, that's one of the best minds the NFL can have. The Chiefs are fine. There's no, there's no reason for panic. There's no, oh, is, are they ever going to get back again? Maybe they won't. The NFL is really hard. The NFL is only getting hard. The AFC is only getting more difficult. Look at your own division and what Justin Herbert did, winning offensive rookie of the year. He's in your division. He's really good. Look, the Broncos, they're building. They're getting there. I think the Raiders have pieces they are getting there. The AFC North, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield. Can the Browns build on their success? The AFC South, it's kind of up in the air at this point. I don't know where the Colts are going quarterback-wise and what their team is doing. I don't know if Deshaun Watson will be in Houston, which we will get to, which is an absolute dumpster fire. The Jags with Urban Meyer, who knows what they will build. And then the AFC East, we know the Bills are have quickly become one of the better teams in all the NFL. Outside of them, the Dolphins are right behind them. See, the AFC is getting – they still have great teams. And that's not to mention what you have to do against NFC teams. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are fine. I don't – it's just, it's one bad game. It's, it's one of these – to me, I look at this where – and, yes, it, it's a different perspective because – it's a team that is so high-powered offensively, and they're, they're only going to muster three field goals. But the Patriots were 18-0. The Giants come in at 9-7 and seven and win the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Are the training wheels off? Are the tires flying off the sides for the Patriots? How are Bill Belichick and Tom Brady going to come back from this? What are they going to do? You know what they're going to do? They're going to win a bunch of more Super Bowls. They're going to continue to win the AFC. They're going to continue to host playoff games because they're going to be the number one seed. And maybe the Ravens or the Steelers can upset them at home. The Ravens only once, by the way. So <laughs> the Chiefs are fine. Well, here, Dennis, on the topic of Patriot runs, I just really quick, we are, we got a few more topics and, and we're already running out of time. Um, but uh, I want to, I, I brought, this topic uh, over a text uh, a couple days ago. I, I don't typically watch first take. And if I do, it's because I turn on YouTube and I see clips of what they were talking about, but I just saw, I, I get it. And we've talked about like you and I try to stay, because this is a career we're trying to get in, involved with, but you and I stay away from, for the most part uh, saying, why would this analyst say this? Why would this broadcaster say this? Um, but they went into a conversation, Max. Only, Cameron, when, only unless the great Dan Orlowski says that we should try right. the whole damn farm for right. Sean. So I see this Max Kellerman, Marcus Spears. Mark, is that his name? Right? Yeah, Marcus Spears. Marcus, Marcus Spears. I, I see this, and they say, What was the better run? Eli Manning uh, against the Patriots. Or no, it was like, was, was Tom Brady's playoff run this year the best of all time? I, I forget what the, he, what the question was was but it was something to that extent and max kellerman says no i mean while tom brady's run this year was incredible because he's 45 global pandemic he went against patrick he's 45 he's 42 42 i'll have to google he's not 45 uh i'll I'll pull up his exact age right now but regardless that that's not the uh 43 so he's 43 excuse me um and and uh, Kellerman's like, well, he's, he's 43. He went against Mahomes. He went against Aaron Rodgers, went against Drew Brees. He did all this stuff. He's 43. It's a pandemic. You have no offseason. That's awesome. I'm not discrediting any of that. That's great. It's a, it's a tremendous run. Tom Brady's the GOAT. No one's saying he isn't. That's historically an, an amazing run. But uh, – and, and Max Kellerman said those things and said, well – Eli Manning's run, um, both of them um, in the Super Bowl against the same team, obviously the New England Patriots, uh, were the uh, were the better run. Um, one, you look at the 2008 run that I was incredibly lucky to be in. I don't take that for granted for an absolute second. Um, 
Eli Manning goes on four road games against still a fantastic quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre, uh, the GOAT Tom Brady uh, on an 18-row team, which was going to go down as one of the best teams. Max Carver made this point uh, with Tom Brady, the New England Patriots. Uh, you play Tony Romo, who at the time, arguably a better quarterback uh, in the NFL. Tony Romo, arguably a better quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Um, Tampa Bay Bucks, it, it, that, it was what, that is what it is. But you go on four road games against those quarterbacks as a wild card team, and you finish it off beating the 18 and 0 New England Patriots against the GOAT Tom Brady. Sorry, that's the better that's the that's the better run. The thing that blew my mind, and this is where it's like so tough when you want to get into a career in sports broadcasting or just broadcasting in general, when Marcus Spears gets on there, and he has history with the Dallas Cowboys, so I know he's not going to give Eli any credit. But he gets on there and and spends, you know, they give like an allotted amount of time. All right, now you go. Stephen A could talk for forever. Then all right, you go. Marcus Spears just gasps, puts his hands on his face, takes his glasses off, wipes his sweat off his forehead, gasps some more, doesn't say Max. Max, why are you saying this, Max? Are you really gonna respond? Two and a half minutes go by. Still hasn't said anything of substance in response to this. Max, oh my God. He's 43 years old. Takes 20 seconds. He's 43. There's a pandemic. There was no, oh, cry me a river. And, and it was just, he had no response. And that was it. So that's him stalling. I get it. And then he gets on Twitter and tries to like, I, I get it, Marcus Spears. I understand. You're cool. I get what you were doing. He had to stall. He had no response. And he had to be the guy that argued against Max. But just ridiculous. Dennis, what are your thoughts on, on that on that debate? About is Tom so, Brady... So, so Max was saying that Eli's... Max was saying won. both of Eli's Super Bowl runs were more impressive than Tom Brady's Super Bowl run this year. Yeah, look here, Marcus Spears. And I actually like you because... So do I. One... He's informed. He's smart. He had an incredible career at LSU. He was a decent NFL player. Pretty good NFL player for the Dallas Cowboys. You're out of your freaking mind, okay? I don't care that he's 43. I don't care that it's a pandemic, all right? Look, and I don't know. I, I hope that this make me sound biased, but look, for the love of God, like, this is the set. I mean, it just – look, Tom Brady – didn't force Drew Brees to throw four interceptions in the divisional round. You also did, yes, you had to go on the road. Oh, to the six and 10. Or were they nine, seven, and nine? Were the, what did the Washington football team finish with? Were they seven and nine? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Seven and nine. Oh, so sorry. Against their third string quarterback. Oh, who looked impressive. Who looked really good? Henneke? Uh, Henneke? Heineke. Heineke. And he got a great deal out of it. He got a nice contract out of it. I'm all for it. Eli didn't face a third street quarterback in the first round of the playoffs on the road. He went to Tampa with Tampa Bay fans, a pretty good Tampa team. A Tampa team, by the way, that won the division with a winning record. They weren't seven and nine, okay? And the Giants dominated. Let's go on the road now to our division rivals, to the Dallas Cowboys and Tony Romo. Now, yes. Typical Giants fashion. We're letting them drive all the way down the field. Thank goodness for R.W. McCorders to intercept Romo in the end zone to force us to the next round. Then let's go to the frozen tundra, literally the frozen tundra, as Tom Coughlin can't feel his cheeks, and we're going to beat Brett Favre, a Hall of Fame quarterback. I know Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I'll tell you what. Our defense didn't make Aaron Rodgers look, or Brett Favre look like what your defense made Aaron Rodgers. It just it's totally different. It's totally different. And it, it, the same thing. We're talking, oh, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Tom Brady. We're talking about a guy who already had three Super Bowls. We're talking about a football team who is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time because they were 18 and 0. Brady was the first to throw 50 touchdown passes in a season, broke breaking the record. Randy Moss had, what do you have, 23 or 24? Breaking the record. 
Get the hell out of here, better than but that's but that's my that's my whole, all the storylines leading up to the Super Bowl were what Steve Spagnuolo was going to do for the Kansas City defense to disrupt Tom Brady because he had already done it in a Super Bowl. Yeah, and he didn't do a good enough job in this Super Bowl, but he didn't have Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka, Antonio Pierce. Come on. Yeah, and and Dennis, uh... I understand ESPN has to make their case. I understand he has to be. Joe Cool taking his big old glasses off that he probably doesn't need. They're probably just freaking readers. It, oh, Max. Oh, Max. And Max is a New York guy. I love Max. He's a little out there, but he's a New York guy. Come on. But, but let me tell you, and one, Max, Max made the point. Like you were saying, old Drew Brees threw out however many interceptions. He was like, you're playing Drew Brees. You're not playing Drew Brees of three, four, five. You're 40-year-old Drew Brees. Yeah. Okay. Drew Brees is not even remotely close to what he was a few years Tom ago. Tom Brady turned around and handed the ball off to Leonard Fournette. There's a reason they were right. calling him playoff Lenny. Right. Because and, Leonard Fournette came out of nowhere to carry yeah. that offense. Right? Again, I have I've heard I've heard some arguments on ESPN where it's like a back and forth boom, 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 or any sports channel or whatever. But Marcus Spears knew he had no response and knew I don't know if this is planned that he had to be the guy that took that side. And I went on his Twitter that night, and he's getting destroyed. And and he, you just see him. He took – it was – I'll pull out a timer after the show tonight, and I'll time how long it took him to make an actual argument. But he said they're just, oh, oh, Max, oh. Because he knew he had there, – there's no response to that. Anyways. Like, and this is would be my response to him if I was in this argument with him. Do you know the conversation we would be having – for Tom Brady at the age of 43 to win a Super Bowl, and he was also part of a team that is the best team of all time at 19-0. and Well, guess what? He's not part of the best team of all time at 19-0 because of Eli Manning and the Giants. And, yes, the defense won that Super Bowl. They were vital for that playoff run. But Eli made critical throws down the stretch, ice water in his veins that season. Now, yes, he did throw a ball to Asante Samuel that he should have caught, for an interception, we would not be having this conversation. But that's not the same when we make that catch. So Eli still escaped the sack on third down, threw it to David Tyree, and then a throw a wide open pass, Plex Burrs, and the Giants win the Super Bowl. Yep. All right, well, Dennis, we'll move on. Um, we'll, we'll stay in football, though, but we will move on. And uh, so news as of today, I believe, as of this afternoon, uh, the Houston Texans, um, what else could go wrong for them? Well, uh, they announced today that they are releasing uh, J.J. Watt. Mutual agreement. Yeah, no, mutual mutual agreement. Yes, of course. But uh, J.J. Watt, pretty much the pride of however many years now of the Houston Texans, of really the city of Houston in in some sense, considering all the the local community work he has done um, for that city. obviously will be felt for for years to come and what he did there but now he is gone and what can be only put as one of the worst off seasons in recent football memory and one of the Houston Texans were never in hell sports they They lost James Harden too all of sports history right but talk but about specifically the Houston Texans the Houston Texans from their uh beginning in the NFL obviously had a rough going um with david carr but the houston texans were never the the pit of the nfl in terms of the the product on the field in terms of the front office and the organization as a whole but right now i mean the houston texans are giving the jets a run for their money as uh, organizations in disarray and uh they get a new uh their president resigns they get a new coach they get a new GM. The, uh, the organization did not consult with star quarterback Deshaun Watson as he had requested, um, which, I mean, it's not up to him, obviously. But when you have your star quarterback, uh, typically that's something you want to consult with him and, and at least do your best to comply with, uh, with his questions and demands. And uh, just everything Houston has done has seemed to either piss off the team or the community 
Now you have JJ Watt leaving and it's a, it's been a, when it rains, it pours type of situation. Houston, 12 teams reportedly um, have shown some type of interest uh, in JJ Watt. The teams that have shown a, a significant interest include, but not limited to uh, the Browns, the Steelers, uh, the Bills and the Titans. Um, but again, this, uh, the, the, just because of really off the field front office issues, ethical issues uh, in the world that we're in right now in terms of sports with social justice and, and, and just kind of uh, trying to change the culture of a lot of organizations and sports, Houston going in the wrong direction. And now from that standpoint, Houston, when they bring in whatever team, assuming Deshaun Watson is not their quarterback, is starting from scratch. And J.J. Watt is going to go to a team, and whatever team that may be is not only going to get a good athlete, they're going to get a good humanitarian and and a good person. And But the Houston Texans, it seems like it's it's one day after one thing after the next, and they can't get out of their own way as an organization. I, I don't know how much of it is on Houston. I feel like it's more of a mutual parting. I think it's them not wanting to pay. I think it's them wanting a salary dump. I think it's them knowing that Deshaun Watson will not be there in 2021. So they are completely in rebuild mode. So let's dump these fat contracts that we have. At the same time, the teams that you mentioned, absolute plus to grab J.J. Watt. Is he in his 20s and a perennial pro bowler? No. Still got Pro Bowl talent, though. And he's got locker room-esque, whatever the word you want to use. He can totally change the way your locker room views anything. It's what you say. He's a Walter Payton man of the year winner. He's he's just a good guy. He's a team guy. And any of those teams that you just mentioned, what do they all have in common? They have pretty solid defensive units and – they're playoff perennial teams. So they they become even better with him. I I think I think the Texans are looking at this as a win-win. We are we do not want to screw over JJ Watt, one guy that pretty much the only guy that has been a staple of this franchise from the get-go. I, they had some rough times at the start, the, the NFL does not do what, say, like the NHL does when having a new expansion team. Obviously, we saw what the Vegas Knights did in year one, reaching the Stanley Cup Finals. The NFL is not like that. You're just going to get the number one overall pick, and it's a crapshoot from there, kind of. So, but they've become a solid NFL franchise, an NFL franchise that have multiple playoff appearances. And then they get the luck of the Bears training up to get Mitch Trubisky, so they're going to take Deshaun Watson because the Chiefs are going to take Patrick Mahomes. You get a franchise quarterback. Well, the franchise quarterback now doesn't want to be there because obviously what you said, franchise is kind of in disarray. Look, Watts making a lot of money. Cut ties with him. You're not, you may not be able to trade him because I don't know who wants to take on his contract. I don't know who wants, what NFL team wants to trade either draft picks or pieces of their team for J.J. Watt. Well, now they don't have to do any of that. So we're going to cut ties. We're going to take the salary dump. And you've been such a great piece of this franchise, such a great piece of this city. This is our parting gift to you. I think I I honestly want to believe that that's what this is. Now go and try and get on a team that's a Super Bowl contender. Try and get to the Super Bowl. The teams you were mentioned that are – interested look i mean we know the Steelers are going to be one of their best one of their best players overall not just defensively is tj watt his brother so but the titans the browns the ravens i mean they're all teams that could easily use him on the defensive line so i, I think this comes out on top for Watt. what the plan is for houston after this i don't know but to me, it just they they just want to clean house and completely rebuild. And I think they I think Watson eventually 
has himself another home because you don't do this and then say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep you, Deshaun, and we're going to try to build around you with this coaching staff and front office that you had no say in. And we'll, we'll be okay because he's obviously already upset. So he's going to go. You're going to get that salary dump. The team's going to have a ton of cap room, and you just rebuild from there. And they might be the worst team in the NFL next year. Well, guess what? That means you have pick of the litter for your college quarterbacks coming in. And I don't know if the draft class is going to be as deep or as good as this year. Probably won't be, but you rebuild. And for what? Happy for him. I, th- I, I honestly believe that's what it is. So, so I mean, I, to, to, to a certain extent, I, I, I disagree um, with, like, they were like, yeah, it's salary, salary, don't get rid of them. So, Watt went to them and asked for, asked to be released and went to the McNair family, the owners of the Texans, and said, I, I want out. And they were, from what I understand from, I, I went on a couple different, to like, read a couple articles about this, and it, it seems like they – saw the writing on the wall. So they weren't, I don't think it was necessarily like, yeah, we're, we're going to release Watt at some point or another. He went to them and got a conversation and they were like, yeah, to your point, they were probably like, okay, writing on the wall. We're not in a good spot right now. Deshaun's gone. We could assume the situation with Watt wouldn't last forever, but yeah. yeah. Me, leaving is gonna help you. me leaving is going to help me. Right. So it's like probably not ideal for them, but yes, in the scheme, the grand scheme of things, we got to start this rebuilding process. We got to be realistic. It saves us some money. Walk gets out of here and we, we start anew. So, I mean, good in that respect, still an ideal situation by any means for Houston. I don't think if you talked to them a a year ago, they would have been like, yeah, our star quarterback is going to be, refusing to play for us and JJ Watt, uh, the pride of our team is going to uh, have a meeting and request to leave. And I don't think they would have uh, saw that coming or at least hope for that to, uh, to happen, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on the JJ Watt um, uh, situation as it continues. And I mean, keep in mind, and this is a, a quote that's been on ESPN for um all, all day today, they've been throwing it out there. It's a quote he had at the end of November where he's like, I, I, I want to win a championship and said it in the context of I'm not winning one in Houston. So throw me wherever you want to put me. And he, he's since put out a video response on his social media accounts. Um, so feel free to watch that uh, if you will. Um, Dennis, you want to talk about college football? I have uh, two more topics to go into now. Oh, football. Or excuse me, college basketball. Sorry. That's sad. Um, as yeah, I, yeah, yeah. as we I, we talk recruiting. We can talk about Arizona State, Penn State, uh, Arizona. There's a couple other schools that have more than 300 scholarship offers out to recruits. And yes, if anyone did not know, college football teams can offer 25 scholarships per year. It just goes to show you how bad how bad COVID is affecting college football right now. There are multiple schools with over 250 offers out. I'll just be honest. Not that they're listening to this podcast. If you're a recruit, protect yourself. Because if you're being offered by any university right now and they're not ready to sign the dotted line when they say, yes, we'll sign you, don't sign. Because... I'll tell you what, these non-in-person visits, these non-campus visits, it's hurting a lot of people. It's going to be it's going to be wild this year and even next year for the 2022 class. Just saying. Well, all right, then you know what? We'll just skip that and we'll go to this uh other no, topic. I, you say college football, so I threw I threw my two cents in for the only thing that's college football related. How about here? Let, let's skip that and let's go straight to uh speaking of COVID. Um Governor uh, Cuomo of New York announces, and, and New York has been one of the states uh, next to California hit the hardest. Um, with oh, so you're just going to skip college basketball altogether? There's really nothing important to talk about in college basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been one of the states hardest by coronavirus and therefore having some of the, the toughest restrictions next to the state of California. But 
um, there is reason to believe we're headed in a uh, better direction as it was announced that um, New York State sporting arenas. So we're talking about uh, the Barclays. We're talking about Madison Square Garden. Different, yeah, they have to hold 10,000. Different college arenas um, in the area are able to get to 10% capacity uh, starting February 23rd. So we're not there yet, but uh, that is a start. And uh, in terms of vaccinations, in terms of the situation in New York City, New York State, and around the country, there is, and as the temperature you would think as we get halfway through February, towards the end, spring is on the horizon, you would think there would, there is reason to be optimistic. Is there a map? I think so. We didn't hit a pandemic till the middle of March. Yeah, but there wasn't a vaccination. The temperature is rising. What's wrong with it? There wasn't, like, the, like, it gets warmer. And yet we hit a pandemic. Yeah, but we when it got... houses for two weeks. Oh, wait. 11 months. And then it got warmer in the summer. Almost and the, the pandemic got slower. Things opened. And then it got cold again in the fall. And then shit hit the fan again. Excuse my language. Oh! And, family show. And throughout that entire period, there wasn't a vaccination. There wasn't anything. Now there is. So there, there's a light at the end of a tunnel. I don't know exactly where that tunnel is here, 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 here's what i'll say and not to go doom and gloom because yes again talking covid which we have talked about for about a year we talked about it right before we were hitting spring training with that first uh korean or japanese player the red sox had we we're kind of like making fun of it they quarantined was from taiwan taiwan so and that was kind of like the tipping point where we just went into covid but I want to ask you, because I'm going to go back to college basketball, because we're going to have to start talking about it eventually. I know you don't want to because your team is irrelevant, but college basketball is the only thing happening right now in the sport. And look, to the New York thing, that's great. It's great that fans are going to be able to get back to MSG, into the Barclays, especially for the Nets, because the Nets are, I mean, they're not a perennial favorite. They're a title contender at this point with the way that they built their team, because again, we talked about Houston getting James Harden. Not playing very well, but well, Durant's out due to COVID and or injury. I don't even know what it is. It's one or the other. I can't. I can't keep it all in track. Uh, but with college basketball, we're to the point where you need to start paying attention so we can have these in-depth conversations. Because if as this is kind of the week where the mass populace flips the script, turns the page. To college basketball. There is no football left. We are done. Super Bowl is over. What is the thing to watch? It's college basketball. Well, when you turn on ESPN or CBS, you will not see Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan State. The Blue Bloods are out this year. North Carolina, they're 12 and 6 right now, but they're unranked. And if they lose a couple more, they might not make the conference. They might not make the NCAA tournament. But Conference tournament-wise, I just want to thought from you, as a fan of a team in the American Conference, a, a conference that it's honestly an entertaining tournament, the big conversation in college basketball right now is will we have conference tournaments? And there are many teams, many coaches, many people believing that we should not have conference tournaments. There are teams like Gonzaga, who's the number one team in the country, undefeated. Mark Fuse on record saying – I don't believe it's a good idea that we go to Las Vegas to play the WCC. Maybe we have the top three come to Spokane, which is in Washington where Gonzaga plays. Gonzaga gets a bye, two and three play. Whoever wins plays Gonzaga. That's your conference champion. We don't have to bring everyone to Las Vegas. The Big Ten announced that they are not going to play in Chicago. They are going to play in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, where the site will be for the Elite Eight in the Final Four and the National Championship game this year. So that's big because they're already going to be there. Will the Big East hold a hold play in Madison Square Garden? We're going to have fans there. Will they allow fans there because it's college athlete? I don't know. The Big 12. Baylor, <laughs> Baylor hasn't played in two weeks. They're not going to play till at the best a week from tomorrow. So this is being recorded on Friday night. Saturday, tomorrow is the 13th. They're not going to play till at least the earliest February 
the 19th. No, wait, 20th. Sorry, 20th. I can do math. February 20th. That's all. That's 25 plus days. They haven't played. Michigan, who many are believing is the third best team in college basketball. That's a whole other argument we could play. Who's the third best team? Everyone's saying it's Gonzaga and Baylor because Gonzaga and Baylor right now are the only two undefeated teams. Big power five ish. Not Gonzaga is a power five, power six. Power six college basketball. But they're undefeated. Baylor hasn't played since the beginning of January. Michigan hasn't played since the middle of January. So it's so all these arguments. What's what's best for the sport? If you're a team like Baylor, you haven't played. You're going to come back. Look, Florida State had to deal with a long absence. They came back. They lost some games. They got hurt in the rankings, but they bounced back. Villanova, Villanova didn't play for 29 days. Came back, won some games. Then they got smacked in the mouth two days later. But then they came back as Villanova's Villanova. The issue is these teams like Baylor and Michigan are going to come back. We assume they're some of the best teams in the country, but they don't just get to come back and then, okay, you can practice for a week or two, and then we'll let you play some of the best teams in the country. Dennis, no, they can't practice. They can't go to the gym. They can't do nothing. They can't do anything. Dennis, what was you – you were saying you were saying as a fan of a, a team that's not very relevant right now, you were – Well, I'm saying as far as, like, the American Conference goes, you're a conference that has teams – that can play their way into the NCAA tournament in your conference tournament. And we might not have conference tournament. You, you said you were going to ask a question. That is my question. Oh, what, so what is, will there be a. The question is right now, the American is pretty much Houston and who else? No, you said you wanted to ask me a question, but you never. That is the question, Matt. The will question is, a... will we have conference tournaments and what is your yeah. thought on conference tournaments? Is as a fan of someone who is an American Conference fan. Right. Right now, you're pretty much Houston and nobody else. So Houston, who's the top five team in the country, might say, I'm not playing in the American because I know I'm an NCAA tournament team. I know I'm probably going to get a two, at worst, a three seed. Right. But there might be other teams in your conference that could play their way into the NCAA, NCAA yeah. tournament. But – Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – uh, not a tournament, or are you just out? Yeah, no, I, I guess to answer the question, I mean, it's that's the reason why I don't like the idea of not having conference tournaments. But at the end of the day, we have to kind of sit around and say the situation in every sport, collegiate or professional, is awful. It stinks and it's no one's fault. And it's it, it's a crappy because, like, as a Temple fan, like you mentioned, we are like a game or two under 500 right now. We would make a conference tournament and we would have a legitimate shot and I uh, at doing decent in the conference tournament. And that is because the majority of the American conference could be anyone in the conference. Houston would be the only team you could say can be is the best who lost to East Carolina handedly. Yeah. On the uh, off chance, you play your conference tournament, you get to the conference final and play a Houston and keep it close. Do you not deserve right. a thought at being invited to the NCAA tournament? Right. But if the American so, decides not to hold the tournament, you don't get those three or four games. Right. And that's what a lot of conferences have to deal with. So conferences like the American, the Big East, are two conferences where – The Big any, Ten. Anybody any, could win the Big Ten. Anyone could win. Anyone could win the conference because there is no team. Part of that is just because the talent this year, the way it worked out. And the other part is – and, again, I mention Temple all the time. But Temple – Temple, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, one of the teams that's been in football and basketball. One They're of not very good this year. One of the best teams in in the conference. Cincinnati went nearly a month without playing. Temple lost them today barely. Cincinnati went a month without playing a game, and it's it, and Dennis, we said this back around Thanksgiving. As it gets closer to March, and as March starts out, or we get into March. It's going to be a very interesting topic of conversation of how the, the tournament selection committee is going to be able to fairly pick this. And I think of all the years, just from a, a fan's perspective, from a TV and money-making perspective, uh, when chances are, obviously the game is going to be in Indianapolis, I think there'll be some amount of fans in there I think the COVID situation in a little over a month from now will be better. 
but it will not be to the level that we're going to be obviously having a full crowd or even half of a, a capacity. We'll probably have maybe 10, 20%, if that. Um, but in the, the year that college basketball and NCAA would love great matchups like getting North Carolina in there, like getting Duke in there, it's not going to happen because those schools are having terrible years. And I was like, oh, cut them, cut, cut them some slack. Duke has had a rough go with COVID and then changing their schedule around. And Well, that's half the but, Right. It's not even that, that you can't even use that as an argument because of how yeah, terrible Duke is. Neither is Michigan State. Right. Michigan State's been awful. Michigan State's in a transition year. And you go around here and everyone's bummed out about it. But this was the one year where if NCAA would have it, since you're not going to get money from fans in the stands and, and getting the advertisements there and, and the merch and the beers and the snacks and the food and all that, this would be the year where everyone's sitting at home, eating and drinking at home, where you could get all those big matchups. And the year that you need those big matchups, a lot of the – let's be real. Gonzaga, elite, incredible. They've been that way for 20-something years now. Not number one in the country – but they've been relevant in that conference in that part of the country. Not many teams come out of that part of the country and are that elite in basketball as they have been. And as great as it is and as fun as it is to watch them at 1130 at night on a Monday, when it comes down to March Madness, the middle of the country, the southeastern part of the country, the East Coast, the majority of America is not going to give a crap about watching Gonzaga. I'm not a UNC fan. I'm not a Duke fan. I'm not a Michigan State basketball fan. I'm not a Michigan basketball fan. No one is going to, like, I, they want those teams. They don't care about Gonzaga. And in a year where they can't go to the game, they can't engage in the game in a personal, uh, being there in a personal sense, and they got to sit at home and drink and eat at home, no one's going to be, like, jumping out of their chair Monday night, oh, man, Gonzaga's on in the championship. We get to watch this. Not to say they will or won't be, but people want as much as they hate Duke and North Carolina and teams like that. Those are the teams they, they tune in to watch, to watch them win or to watch them lose. They're not going to be there. Villanova could probably make a run, but it, it's going to be different. And, and the year that NCAA needed it to be that way, it's not going to be that way, but – no, and well, look, and this is why I wanted to bring this up and why I want to talk more college basketball. Because no one, one cares about Baylor. I was just going to say that. Look, Gonzaga, Baylor, look, to a degree, Michigan, Houston. Yeah. That's four of your top five in the country right now. I'm sorry, Houston? No one cares. The American. No, no one, one cares. cares. Baylor? Nobody cares. I mean, don't get me wrong. They if don't have the brand Ohio recognition that Oklahoma has. Kansas is your Big 12 team. If, if, there's, if there's a Final Four and Houston's there on a personal level, obviously you'll see me rocking a Houston shirt, go American Conference, hell yeah. But the general landscape, the general population of American college basketball fans in the United States are not going to care. But this is why I'm bringing this up now, why on February 12th when we're talking about this, because we haven't talked enough college basketball. And this is when the vast majority of sports fans turn the page to college basketball. The Super Bowl's over. There is no football. There is no XFL to maybe hold some hype on to watch some football on Saturday or Sundays this year. There, it's college basketball. And we're holding out hope that the MLB starts on time, but it's spring training. And it's also baseball. We, you and I are in agreement how close soccer is to surpassing Major League Baseball in this country. We've had this conversation on the podcast. It's college basketball's time. It's time to get off your ass, put on ESPN, put on CBS, put on Fox, and watch these games because there are some really good college basketball players and really good college basketball teams. And we're in a year, and we're in a time in college basketball where things are changing, where the one-and-dones are spread out across the country. Suggs is over in Gonzaga. He's a one-and-done. Gonzaga doesn't have one-and-dones. Usually Gonzaga is a great team, like you said, for the past 20, 25 years. They've been a top team, and more so in the last 10 to 12 years, they've been an elite number one contender. Well, now they have a number one, one-and-done guy going to the draft. They've never had that before. Cunningham, 
who could have went anywhere, went to Oklahoma State, they're probably going to be in the tournament. He might be picked over Suggs in the NBA draft. We don't have that thing where Duke has Zion, R.J. Barrett, multiple teams. That, that, that it's not happening anymore in college basketball because your top guys are either going overseas, going to the G League, or maybe they're going to spread out around the country and then eventually go to the NBA. And they might play on teams where they're from that might not even make the NCAA tournament. So the one and done, the one and done is becoming really weird. Look at Kentucky. Kentucky's not even sniffing the NCAA tournament. They have a bunch of guys that should have been one and done. They're not very good. Alabama, Alabama folks, not the football team. The basketball team is the best team in the SEC. What Nate Oates has done. You know who one of their best players is? He's a transfer from Harvard. Okay. So it's just, these are the things you have to watch. You have to watch these teams. Look, watch Gonzaga. Watch how good they are. Watch Baylor. God blessing. Hopefully they come back in a week. Michigan. God willing, they come back in a week. Look, they're postponed for the new UK strain of COVID. No one even tests positive. They just had traces of it on their campus. They shut down everything. Villanova, have to watch them. Florida State, same thing. But the Big Ten as a whole, what Ohio State is doing, there are teams like Iowa, who is going to have the National Player of the Year in Luca Garza. Illinois. Maryland's got a bunch of top 10. Well, not top 10. Top 25 wins. Indiana. It, it's all over the map. It makes it super interesting. And if you, if you think that by the Blue Bloods not being there, this year in the NCAA tournament, UCLA is going to be there. They're a blue blood. UNC might be there. They're 12 and six right now. Now, if they lose the next couple, if they look like ass in the ACC tournament, assuming we have one, maybe they don't make it. They're probably going to get there. There are some blue birds. Now they might be a 10 or 11 seed, which is unheard of for a UNC team. But when we get to the NCAA tournament and they tip off on a Friday, not a Thursday, it's still going to be awesome. So just watch these college basketball games because they're still entertaining as hell. There are still some solid basketball teams. Texas Tech, they were in the national championship game two years ago. People forget about that. They lost to Virginia in one of the greatest national championship games we've seen in the last decade in that overtime thriller. Thank you. They're one of the <laughs> – got a beer. Uh, they're one of the better teams in the country. They lost a thriller – to West Virginia this week. There are great college basketball games to be had. You just got to turn on the television. You just got to watch them. And that's what we have right now. Outside of awesome golf coming back, but I know you don't care about that. Well, we can get into that. Um, and, and Dennis, we'll, we'll obviously make plans. And we'll let our listeners know on Twitter at Matt Dennis Pod about uh, selection. The selection Sunday, I'm not going to say it's going to be the best or the most fun. Well, it's going to be great. And you know what? Ellis Gill is going to be on the show. You know he'll be on the show. It'll probably be the most. cloak you, even though we will say things that will sound so smart and sound so great. But what's the best thing about college basketball, Matt? We will be dead wrong. It's, I mean, the selection show is definitely going to be the most interesting that we've seen. That's bar none. It, it, It will be. I don't know if it'll be the most fun or the best, but it'll be the most interesting that we've seen. Uh, in a long time and no, it's going to be the same as it's going to be the same every year i think we have weeks to figure out how this is all going to make sense especially the, not to figure out is it's not the teams it's just how it's going to take place we yeah. still don't know what happens if a team tests positive that's not that's not take place there are so many unanswered questions and this is the fault of the ncaa for not giving no. us answers that's that's not my concern my that's not my concern we have weeks to talk about that so we will talk more about that as it gets closer but my thing is 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 not like that that's too far ahead to talk about what if 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 a team gets scheduled on the the first round literally what is to be talked about though what are you but on but but you can't we're we're not even we still have over a month before the first round starts so we can't start saying well, what happens when this team, I mean, obviously that's a question. What happens when this team gets COVID in the first round or the Sweet 16 or the other, so on and so those forth? Are the only questions. That's, those but, are the things we don't know yet. 
Right, and those will be questions. But my question right now is, is if how are you comparing teams that in a normal year would be in? And we we got to go because we're running out of time here. No, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. We uh, don't know how they're comparing. Yeah, there's strength we'll talk, there is no strength of schedule this year. We'll talk about this more. How are you going to compare, like you said, strength of schedule? How are you going to compare, like, the regular year? How do you compare at-large bids against another at-large bid? How, if there's not going to be conference championships, how, if, if the second-place team that might deserve an at-large bid goes against who's going to be the winner? How do you the, – the winner that's not ranked, how do you, how do, you do all that? We'll have weeks to talk about that as it gets closer. And like you've mentioned tonight, We're running out of weeks, kid. And multiple weeks in the past, is there going to be a conference championship? Are they all going to be? Is there not going to be a single conference tournament? Are there going to be some and not others? What does this look like? We'll have weeks to get into this. I will say here, and I'll mark it here. Obviously, we'll talk to it. I think the Power Six will have conference tournaments. That is the Pac-12, SEC, Big East, Big 12, Big 10, and uh, who am I forgetting? ACC. And you might be right. I have no idea. Those six will have conference tournaments. You're at large. I think we see top two teams in a couple of them play each other. That's it. Yeah. And and it's it's honestly you might be right and you might be wrong, but it's honestly surprising. And I, and I I fully believe that even if some teams want to opt out, like say a Baylor, who has nothing to gain from being in a conference championship, it will be a league decision. A Bob Bowles be a com- conference commissioner in the Big Twelve. No, I'm sorry, Baylor, you're playing. Well, we'll close on this, uh, Dennis. If you are right or even if you are wrong, it's February 12th and uh, conference tournaments start in under a month. So it, it's, it's interesting that we have heard nothing, um, a, a whisper of if they will or will not happen. So obviously, like you mentioned. We nearly just got COVID protocols. <laughs> football is over. Uh, so this is probably going to be our focus as we head into uh, baseball season. It's going to be – I'm hosting the next show. That's all we're talking about. College yeah. hoops. Getting ready for baseball. What's going to happen with college hoops? We're on Twitter. Um, oh, at Matt Dennis Pod. We're on Facebook, Matt and Dennis. We don't touch that ever. Um, much better. We updated the peeps the other day. Yeah, true. Um, Dennis, do you have anything uh, else to add before we say farewell? I will not. Uh, I don't like the hat that you're wearing. I didn't mention that in the beginning of the show. Uh, your little tapestry in the background. It's fruity as always, so loving it. All right. Uh, shout out to Chap, who was uh, producing this show from about five feet away from Dennis. Yep. He's going to edit this episode, too, so, you know, who knows what it'll sound like. Shout out to Chap, our producer, even though he may have not known this. And uh, for Dennis Vinci, I'm Matt Scarano. Thanks so much for listening again. We're at Matt Dennis Pod. Listen, Matt and Dennis, we will talk to you again next week. Dennis? I'm drinking Voodoo Ranger. Cool.